The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been sitting here waiting for you for about half an hour, right? Right. And you'd think this McDonald's that, is awesome. <laughs> is is that where you went for breakfast? Yeah. It is like mm-hmm. I had to wait in line for five minutes. There was only two people in front of me. Waited in line for five minutes. And I mean, I understand it was probably a difficult customer or something, or at least that's what it appeared to me. Fair enough. But then it was like, okay, I, I get my order. I wait another five minutes before they print the receipt that tells me what my order number is. <laughs> like I had already paid and I sat in front of the, the till just waiting for that number so I could, you know, not be the asshole who's... You know, they're give, Doesn't know saying they're a number, number, and I'm just like, I, I don't know what my number is. Sorry. <laughs> so it took me five minutes to get that. And you would think by then, you know, my food should be out because it's McDonald's. It's supposed to be fast food. Well, yeah. when I worked at a McDonald's, like being in the kitchen, we had 30 seconds the moment we saw that order on our board to have it ready for the people up front. Right. Because the aim was that everything should be together and like in the customer's hand within like a minute or two <laughs> it's amazing how fast food is always slowed down by slow people oh it ah man it's the same thing at my job it's like people will come in and be like i'm in a rush i just need my gear let's hurry up and do this and it's like okay what do you need well i i don't know how many people are going to be there i don't know how big of a space is it? I've never been to this venue before. Great. This is going to take a half hour to try and figure out what you need because I don't want to send you out the door with a speaker that's not loud enough or is too loud for what you need. <laughs> and you don't know anything. Uh, it's just, yeah. It always amazes me. And I know we've had this conversation before over, over the, the ridiculousness of, of the whole rental situation. But it always amazes me how people can walk in with no information, expecting someone else to figure it out when they have even less information. Like you have about this venue, about this gig that this guy's asking you about, you have even less information than he has and he has nothing. You happen to be smarter than him, which is evident clearly, but like, but it's still my fault when I don't know what to give you because you haven't told me what you need. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm asking you these, this list of questions so that I could like at least make a fair judgment, a fair assessment of yeah. what it is you need. Yeah. Though at the same time, there are those people who admit they'll come up to you and be like, I have no idea what I need. I'm doing a party. I think roughly this many people are going to be there. Like, okay, awesome. This is what you, uh, here's what I recommend you get. Or you can get this. 
what do you want? Yeah, well, and, and, and those people are the type of people that, that wouldn't hold you responsible. No, they're, they're right. pretty reasonable. They know, like, exactly. They're, they're asking me for my opinion. They're telling me roughly. And like, I, that's another thing that I try with those people who do like the halls, but don't know what they're needing. It's like, okay, you don't know how many people are going to be there. Do you have a rough estimate of how many people you think will be there? Like, do you think a hundred people will show up to your event? Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's all I need is like, do what do you think? How many people do you think will be there? If I know how many people, I can get a rough idea of what speaker I need to give you. Yeah. Like, uh, you need 500 people? It's like, okay, that's a big system. Yeah. Let's put that together. Yeah. Oh, well. I, we, we don't need to travel down that road any, any further. Unless you, have, unless you have any great stories. Do you have any great stories? Because you come in here with some really great stories from time to time. <laughs> um. We should call this Joey's Story Hour. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything at the moment. This week has been kind of uneventful. It's been, I think it's been slow, but mm. according to the numbers, we're decently busy. We're doing three to $4,000 a day in rentals, which is considered busy in rentals. Okay. But it doesn't feel busy. Right. So, I don't know. It could have just been like I got used to the summer because it wasn't uncommon for me to have a $3,000 day in rentals. Just yourself. Yeah. Then, you know, there's usually one or two other people yeah. in rentals with me that are also doing like two, three thousand dollars $3,000. So, <laughs> you know, rentals doing six grand. Yeah. And then you do three grand in rentals altogether. It's just, you know, that's half of the work that we did do when we were sitting here at the end of the day, sweating and going, oh my God, I'm glad that the day is over. <laughs> we have no speakers. Thank yeah. God it's over. <laughs> um, last week was your birthday? Uh, yeah, I think Monday. When was Halloween? Monday. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. Monday. Do you remember any of it? Yeah. I didn't drink a lot, but it was a lot of... Um, and I hate me for saying this, but uh, it was to do a lot of what the girlfriend told me to do <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> that, that's a, and it's not that I don't mind doing it because obviously if I didn't mind doing it, I might, the asshole within would yeah. come out, but you know, <laughs> by the end of it, it, it just, I was sort of glad that I got some time to myself by the time I got back home, but right. you know, same time it's like, I don't get to see my girlfriend very often. It's just, I had four days straight of just constantly being around her. Didn't get too much time by myself. And what time I did have by myself, it was like, great. None of my stuff is here. <laughs> I can't get any work done. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's not that I, I yeah. Like I said, I enjoy being around her quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be dating her if I, couldn't stand being around her, obviously. Obviously. Or at least I would hope people would be that smart to assume <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, but the world is filled with complacency relationships. Yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, 
it just uh, even when she's here living with me type of thing i enjoy having my one or two hours where i i'm by myself i could you know maybe watch youtube and just do something for an hour or two by yeah, myself just, just have some have some Whereas, you know, for my birthday, it was four days straight of constantly being around her. Did you go down there on the Friday or did you go down on the Saturday? I went on, on Saturday Tuesday? and I was there by like 11 in the morning. Mm. That was one hell of a morning for me. <laughs> I had to wake up at your four. Bus? Uh, my bus didn't leave till eight, but my That's... bus was all the way. It's my ticket was good for all the stop all the way in the north end. Oh, because there's no longer a downtown location. Yeah. So having, I very rarely go north of the river here in town. Yeah. Like essentially the only time I go north of the river is to come here. Come to the studio, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and then like that side of town like definitely don't ever go there so it's the first time i've ever even been there took a train there because conveniently a train kind of goes roughly in the area right took a train there well i had to wake up at four in the morning so i could get ready and it's a good thing you've conditioned your body to accept sleep accept sleep doesn't do that <laughs> it doesn't want to sleep i force it to <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty conditioned to the point where I can just wake up whenever and I can arguably function (laughs) whether or not I'm a nice human being is another question. I like the arguably function. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, woke up four in the morning, caught train at five o'clock, which was like the very first train. Yeah. Uh, then spent like I don't know probably half hour walking from the train stop to the bus stop. Okay. Because I don't think there was a bus that went there, and when I was or no, there was a bus, but I did the math because I I know roughly how long it takes me to walk a kilometer. I did right. the math, and it was actually faster for me to walk the distance than to wait for the the bus and then take it. Mm-hmm. So when you're 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 used to walking. Anyway. Well, yeah. I walk every day to work, sometimes back. Really? Yep. Really? Yep. Most of the time, like, people will give me a ride to at least the train station or something like that. Right. Or all the way home uh, for my way back. But to work, I do walk, which is a pretty far walk. It's like, I don't know, 20K. Yeah. So, a couple miles. (laughs) (laughs) If, I love if your you're math. American, <laughs> love your math. <laughs> I don't. Even when I was living in the states, I didn't really measure distances in miles. Like I would see something X miles away, so I'd convert, convert that to, it kilometers. to kilometers, so you can understand it. Yeah, and it was always like roughly. Oh, that's roughly three kilometers is a mile. So that's da da da. And I know that's not correct. I know it's like three point something or 1.6 kilometers per mile but for me as my girlfriend would say there's a thing called joey time (laughs) (laughs) where i only count in half hour increments so if it's like 9 15 i'm like oh it's 9 30 (laughs) (laughs) it's 
It's, and it uh, stays 9.30 until 9.44. Almost, yeah. yeah. It, if it's 9.44, then it's like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> she dislikes it because she'll ask me what time it is, and I'll, I'll, I'll give her those increments because that's just my way of making the day go by faster at work. Yeah. It's just to round up to the nearest half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that mean you leave early sometimes? No, no, I, I never leave early at work. You always leave, do you always leave late? Oh, almost every day we, we leave late. There's, there's days where it's like 7.55, so yeah, five minutes till we can close the door and say, nope, we're not helping you anymore. Right. And people will walk in. Yeah. And hey, I need an like, order that's going to take 35 minutes to pack up. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually had that happen where it was like 7.55, guy comes in and says, uh, I have an order for tomorrow, but I want to know if it'll be cheaper to pick up today or tomorrow. And I was like, well, no, it won't be cheaper, but it is Friday, tomorrow's Saturday. Uh, it, you know, depending on when you come in tomorrow on Saturday, we may not have all of this gear. And then he made me collect all the gear by this time, it's like 8.30. Everybody's waiting on me because nobody can leave the <laughs> store until all the customers are out and we've cashed out all the tills and stuff right. like that. So, like, everyone in the store is waiting on me. They're all in rentals. They're all actually, like, helping me gather this, like, huge <laughs> thing up. And then he's like, so how much does that cost? Uh, like, I'd tell him the price. is like, oh, that's more than what I was quoted. And I had to explain, like, well, your request is for tomorrow you wanted to take it today. It's like, well, not for that price. I'll just say, and it was only a $30 difference. Like, like $200 versus $230. Yeah. But that $30, I guess, broke their budget. <laughs> so he's just like, well, eventually one of my coworkers had to be like, are you taking it today or are you coming in tomorrow? And he's like, well, I'm going to come in tomorrow. I was like, okay, then we're done here. Get out of the store. <laughs> nice. Like he actually got to that point and yeah. he, he's normally like a super nice guy. Lovey dovey. He will actually spend an hour with a person right. to make sure they know how to use the system type of thing and what have you. But when it's like 30 minutes after we were supposed to be out of the building <laughs> and this guy's wasting our time, clearly it's just like, okay, make up your mind. What do you want? Okay, we're done get out. Like he pushed this guy out. It was, it was quite amusing. <laughs> That's awesome. I love watching. I love watching other people, store people, retail people, whatever, lose their mind on customers because it's almost always well-deserved. And so they're just, even as a spectator, there's some satisfaction there because <laughs> <laughs> customers as a rule, Customers in the retail environment are fucking dumb. <laughs> and the whole concept of the customer is always right uh, bothers I, me so much. I understand why it's there, but it bothers me so much because 95% of the time, it's not true. That is a statement that you have to take with a huge grain of salt. And you have to make the, the customer feel like they're always right. Yeah, yeah. 
but while you know slipping in the things that will actually Steer help them to be right or you could do the 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 one approach of my coworker that is like oh it's fun watching him tell people things because they'll be like oh i need this cable okay yeah. what do you need it for and it'll be like this some obscure thing where it's like i want to plug my microphone into my stereo system well is it like a mixer into speakers or is it like a home stereo it's like oh it's a home stereo what home stereo oh that that is a calibration mic like they want like a xlr to eighth inch <laughs> yeah. cable it's like, yeah, that's not going to work because that's a calibration microphone input. And it needs to be powered. Yeah. yeah. We don't even get that far. It's oh, just okay. like, yeah, even if you did plug in a microphone in there and you got enough gain or whatever, it wouldn't come out of the speakers because it's not intended to feed yeah. back into the speakers. It's intended to read the sound out of the speakers and calibrate your stereo to the room that it's in. Which your stereo isn't capable of doing anyway. Or is, in this case, was it? Well, uh, whatever. <laughs> they would force us to, like, find this p cable that doesn't exist. And it'd be mm -hmm. like, oh, here's somebody who built it. And they're selling it for, like, 50 bucks. That's a lot of money for that fucking cable. <laughs> and it's just like, you can buy it from them. And then I'll see you when you break your system. <laughs> <laughs> Or, like, uh, other times they'll be like, oh, yeah, there's noise in my system. I need a XLR to RCA. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you understand there's noise in your system because you're using unbalanced cables, right? And you, like, they would explain their system. He'd be like, yeah, I have 100 feet of RCA. I need XLR ends on the one SI. Like, you understand that unbalanced shouldn't go longer than 30 feet. <laughs> You know, if you want to do that, use this RCA to a quarter inch, go into a DI box, and then have an XLR, and then go at 50 feet. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, no, no, that's no. that's stupid. That's more expensive. It's like, well, when you add it in more noise, because you have to add another 20 feet of this stupid cable that you just bought from us, like, you tomorrow when you return it, because it didn't work. And yeah, this guy at work will pretty much, that is one of his lines when a customer won't listen to him. Like he will actually try to explain to him why it won't work. Yeah. And he's pretty aggressive with it. Okay. So the, generally at that point, I think the customer is trying to make a point of like, oh, I'll show you, it'll work. Blah, 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 blah. And then he will, closing the sale, be like, see you tomorrow when it doesn't work. Or see you tomorrow when you bring it back because it doesn't work. Yeah. Like he will straight up tell customers that it's amusing to see he's such a jerk and somehow he's one of like our top salesmen yeah a lot of those really aggressive guys close really well like they turn maybes into credit cards you know yeah and it's rarely the nicest guys that have the best sales and sometimes those guys are up there right but it's rarely the nicest guys that are yeah, they're tough salesmen. Yeah. I seem to do all right being sort of nice. I'm only ever somewhat aggressive when the words, what can you do for me, come out. 
<laughs> what do you mean? What can I do for you? <laughs> you mean like you want me to spit shine your shoes or something? Like, what are you asking for? <laughs> uh, like I, I had a guy come in the other day. He's notorious with everybody in the store. He always asks for a deal. Works right. for a church. <laughs> so, you know, he, and I hate this. No offense to anyone who does the whole church thing, but like, it seems like churches are the places that I have the most trouble with because they'll constantly be like, oh, we're this sort of organization, you know, you know, give us a deal. It's like, well, we're a business. <laughs> we don't No, no. <laughs> we're selling you this speaker and you want us to like significantly cut the cost because you're, you're an organization that doesn't pay taxes, mind you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not paying taxes. You can afford this. Come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I am. Um... <sighs> but you know, this particular guy, he, he there's a $500 15 inch speaker, uh, 750 Watts, 500 bucks for it. And it's brand new. It's like fifteen hundred. Okay. So it's a significant. It's a killer deal already. Powered. Powered. Yeah. And he he was wanting to buy different speakers at first, but then he saw those and said, "Oh, I want those because they're bigger, so therefore they're better." Uh, of course. Yeah. Rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah. So he was just like, "How much are you going to cut those down to?" It's like. Those are already on blowouts off. <laughs> They're a thousand bucks off. I'm not giving you a deal. And he was like, "Oh, Dylan would uh, do this." Da, da. And I was like, <laughs> "I'm sorry. I put that display together. I know that we can't do any better than that. I am not cutting the prices on that." <laughs> and then my accounts guy came and like, because this guy has like ten thousand dollars on his account already and right. we're putting this other stuff on his friend's account and, and we all know it's like going on yeah it, it's getting to the point where their accounts are like to the point where we're watching them as a hawk because you owe us <laughs> a lot of money a lot of money and <laughs> you know eventually the accounts guy just like hey look at this you're buying another three four thousand dollars worth of gear you owe us more than $10,000 worth of gear right now. We're not doing deals with you anymore. We've already accommodated you more than we should have. Yeah. All I was going to say, like before the accounts guy went and did that and, you know, it was all, all good after that, but I was going to straight up just tell him, you know, I don't have to uh, sell it to you. It's a rental unit. I can make more money renting it for the, another year. Yeah. So either buy it for 500 bucks or, or it'll stay here and be rented. Yeah. And we'll make that 500 bucks anyway. Yeah. And then somebody might buy it for 500 bucks on top of the 500 bucks we just made. So sorry, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> time before that, that he came in, he wanted a $3,000 keyboard. And we were selling it for like $1,200. And he wanted us to cut the price on that. And like to try and get us to buckle, he, he would like point out some scratches on the board. It's like, yeah, it's not in good shape because it's a rental unit. 
And that's why it's not 3000 it's 1200 <laughs> Yeah, and like we explained that to him. It's like, well, it's in rough shape. I want a deal. Like, I'm sorry, but this board that you want is actually in demand. It's hard for us to keep this thing in here. We had to hold it for you to look at so you could buy it. <laughs> buy it now at the price we have it at, or we'll just continue renting it. Because we will make our money. We've already made our money on this thing. Yeah. We will continue to make money on this thing. It's just... And then he buckled and was like, okay, I'll, I'll get it for that price. And like, <laughs> but I want this fixed. And it was like a scratch on the board because it's a, a black keyboard. It's just like, got a black Sharpie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you that made him happy. Well, then he like tried to get us to give him the Sharpie and stuff so he could fix any more scratches on the board. It's just like, buy it at Staples. <laughs> yeah. Okay, two stories. All right. I'm going to start with the church story. Okay. Because we're just talking about churches. Um, I've been having a really good experience with a church that I'm hiring to record a choir in. Been having a really good experience. So mm -hmm. nothing I, I want to say about the church. However, the guy that is hiring me to hire the church. <laughs> um, okay, where do I start? Working with this manager that has his wife yep. as one of his clients and she's a, a gospel singer. Okay. Kind of in a, in a traditional, got a, got a cool, like, like jazzy voice, belty voice, kind of, kind of like a poor man's Ella Fitzgerald, like, you know, just a great, great vibe to her voice when she's on. Wrote some songs, can't play any instruments, so we're taking care of all of all the instrumentation and the arrangement of everything. Wants a choir on a specific song. But the manager has already given me bare bones, minimal budget. Okay. Right? Like, want all this stuff to happen, but only want to pay this much. So, as we're negotiating the project in advance, I say, listen... I've advised you that you need to spend at least this much more per song based on what you want to do. So I will try to meet your budget and I will advise you in the right corners to cut so that we can continue to try to meet that budget. But there's every chance that we won't be able to achieve what you want, which is a radio quality project for a very indie price. Okay. No worries. Anyway, so I go looking for I go looking for this choir because they want an authentic choir. They don't want they don't want me singing ten times and the singer singing ten times and then one of I got two assistants or two students now that are beautiful singers and you know don't want them singing ten times and then the yeah. chorus or the choir sounding pretty cheesy like it would right yeah. Anyway, I go shopping around. I spend about three days shopping around for choirs and talking to choirs all across all across the world. Talk to one in Bulgaria, talk to one down in LA, um, talk to two. I think they were in Nashville, but they might have been the same group. Anyway, and then and found a whole bunch here in town. So one of the quotes I got back, I think the highest quote I got back was fifteen thousand dollars for this one minute of audio. That we needed recorded. Now we wanted it, you know, we, we wanted like 
three passes of each and we wanted it to sound, you know, kind of churchy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, depending on how big of a choir that is, it's, that doesn't sound, doesn't sound unreasonable. No. Yeah. And so some of the, we got a couple of quotes from, from local, local church choirs. Right. Um, both of which were audition choirs. You know, the singers are actually reasonable. Mm -hmm. Um, and we ended up going with the lower one, which ended up being, now I wrote the arrangement. Right. So flag A. <laughs> we may or may not turn out any good just because of that, but. That they ended up somebody who rewrote it for the choir? Well, I, I, I worked really closely with the, with the choir director. Okay. Um, to have her kind of understand what judge you were critique. going for. Yeah. And, and make some suggestions and such. Okay. Um, so, but it ended up being really good. It's a, you know, I, I wrote a soprano an alto, a tenor and a bass part and together they, they sound really nice, at least in the cheesy noises that I have on my computer as I can hear it back. Right. Yep. Um, anyway, so, so we get this done. We agree on the price with the choir, uh, which ended up being uh, church rental and the choir itself for seven hundred and fifty bucks. That's a killer deal. That's a killer deal, right? Like I was, I was worried that the best price we'd get would be a thousand dollars, and we'd have to suffer with some pretty shitty choir. Yeah, right. That's what I was expecting. Anyway, so great deal. I call up the manager uh, that's just managing this project imagining this artist and I say, this is, this is, this is what we have. It's a really good deal. Um, uh, this is when it's going to happen. Uh, they have the music and they've approved it. Just need, uh, just need your, your approval and your authorization to make this happen. Cause we need to make sure that you're going to pay them. Cause it's, it, it, it alone would put us over, over the budget that he wanted to spend. Right. And so his, the first words out of his, out of his mouth is, oh, but I really only wanted to spend six fifty. Well, you can negotiate that with the, why didn't you negotiate? He asks me. <laughs> didn't, oh, ex man. I didn't expect that, that question at all. I think my right? first response would have been like, well, I, we could have went with a different choir that was 15,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, and, and I knew like. <laughs> I knew he would never go for that kind of well, budget, right? Yeah, but that's just kind of the things I do well, myself and, and, is like, I'm going to quote you the, if you're going to argue with me about a price that is awesome that I yeah. think you should go with, I'm going to tell you about this other price that is ridiculous. <laughs> and then, you know, you'll see that I got you a fucking killer Dale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's just my approach but well and, and the question caught me off guard that he heard my like he heard my hesitation as i'm trying to think of what is an what, what is an answer to that why didn't i negotiate you know and, and i he, he said something else and then i just kind of blurted out well i, I don't think it's my place to negotiate for a good you. deal right well, like it's your project you should negotiate if you want I said, a better price i actually said that to him um as the guy that's paying, you know, cause they're not even paying me to be a producer. Yeah. Like they don't have enough money in their budget to pay me to be a producer. Okay. Yeah. And if that was the case for me, I would probably even mention that. You know, right. 
I'm not your producer. I'm not in charge of your budget. <laughs> exactly. And, and so, so I said to him, I can forward you her contact information, the, the choir director's contact information, and, and you can negotiate with her if you like, um, because I, I know she wants to hear from you. Um, but I'm, it, it's just not my place to negotiate. This is a, this is a good deal. I don't see any reason to negotiate it. Um, anyway, so he, he agreed to it begrudgingly and then had to negotiate with me about the, the time because it was 15 minutes earlier than, than they would he, have liked, than, than he would have liked <laughs> 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And would he have, would have anyone but you have to be there? Hmm. I really want the I really want the singer to be there, and of course, he's got to be there to pay. Well, yeah, I guess. Right now, he doesn't have to be there till the end, which is fine by me. But yeah, but I mean, it's it's like you know, fifteen minutes is is all we're talking about, <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyway, so, um, so they, it's it's been you know the whole project has been that kind of thing, and, and they're nice enough people. Fair enough. Right. Um, they've been pretty, pretty good about, about most of my, most of my suggestions. And, um, although, although they're, this manager is one of those types of people. He's got too many, he's got too many things on the go. He's trying to do too much and he's stretching himself too thin. Okay. Which means because this client is his wife she gets dragged into all these other things that he's doing. And so she has no time for the uh, music either. Okay. Didn't rehearse a single time before oh. coming into the studio. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, fantastic. so this potentially fantastic performance that she could have given ended up being just kind of okay. You know, and, and I was able to, I was able to pitch correct things and, and, and comp together a track that, that, and uh, three tracks that ended up sounding pretty decent. Yeah. Um, but it's going to just fall short of that spectacular because they, they had it in their heads. Even after I told them, even after I told them they had it in their heads that they would come into the studio, sing it once or twice and it'd be, it would be fantastic. They even came into the studio because She's one of those, she's one of those ladies that, uh, one of those artists that doesn't play an instrument, but does sing quite well. Okay. And so she wrote her songs lyrically and melodically, but didn't have any music to go along with it. So even just her coming into the studio, singing once through each song so that I'd have the melody there mm-hmm. and I could figure out the music from that. Um, like she could tell, she could tell herself that wow, this is, this is going to take a lot more work unless I'm better prepared. Yep. She still didn't prepare. <laughs> and just see the frustration and this like shiver go down your spine. <laughs> well, it's just, it, I wish it wasn't commonplace for that to happen. I know. Like when I was in bands, it just seemed like when you go to record and maybe this is because I came up in like the part where tape was dying off and, you know, digital was really starting to, well, home digital, I should say, not digital because digital was starting well before I was even born. But as I was in bands doing the recording thing, like studios were 
getting to that point where like they were saying, oh, digital is getting to the point where it is almost as good as going on tape mm-hmm. type of thing. Like I, I, I remember like plenty of things that I recorded on when I began where it's like, like amp sims were just starting and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, it, it sounds like a guitar amp. It doesn't sound like the guitar amp that's trying to be, but it sounds like a guitar amp. Yeah. You know, so it's just, I don't know. The mindset of me, it was always just like, I'm paying four or $500 a day for the room without an engineer. Like that's a lot of money to a <laughs> kid just yeah. trying to make things work. Even if there was five of us in the band splitting it, like a hundred bucks is a lot of money to a kid. Right. So it's just like, I'm spending that in one day. I better know my songs incredibly well. Exactly, right? Yeah. And I so, mean, it's still $400 a day, and a lot of that is like comes with an engineer, and people still don't. Well, it's... Don't practice. It's and, weird. And, and it's not like it's not like either of these two, like this manager or his wife the artist it's not like either of them are young either you know they're no. both they're both at least in their 40s i don't suspect they're any older than that but they're late 30s early 40s and and you'd think they'd understand the value of hard work yeah and preparation but even them even them he was under the impression cuz this is the first artist that he of his that's gone into a studio and even him like he had the expectation that his wife was so good because she, she's so good at church that she would come into the studio, she would sing and she'd be done. Like why nope. would this take longer than five or six minutes? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Even. And that was, that was part of his insistence. I don't on even the budget think so small. that Michael Jackson, if he were to come into a studio would right. be done in like five or six minutes. And that's, mind you, he also had a crazy work ethic where it was like, okay, I'm pumping out my things really quickly, but then it's like, we're going back to those and we're going to find the golden take. Like I'm going to. Well, but he would, even someone like him, like he would hear, he would hear the things he did good. He'd listen to the take. He'd hear the things that he did well. And then he would go back and sing the other parts better and sing that part the way he wants to and, and did on the last take. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. You know, I remember hearing, I remember hearing a story of John Bonham, maybe late in the, later in the seventies, um, recording some drum track, whatever it was, played a great killer take, but didn't like one section where he, where he was a little too close to the bell and he wanted to be more to, more to the edge of, of his ride. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he'd hear that, he'd say, I want to redo that part. And he'd go sit down and play the whole damn thing again, the whole song. Yeah. Because that was just easier for everybody involved, except for him. And he knew that it would be a better take. Well, even me, when I'm recording myself, not a very good player, but I'll be playing and it's just like, I didn't hit a note as good as I could have. It's just like, well, I'm going to finish the take, then I'm going to go back and I'm going to re-record the whole thing. 
because I know if I re-record the whole thing, yeah, I'm gonna get e- even if if all I need to do is uh, comp that one note. If I do the whole take, I'm gonna get a better performance possibly, and it's just it makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, it's so frustrating to work to work in in a way that's you know what I take that back it's not always frustrating it's frustrating when that's your only option yeah. to work in chunks yeah you know like I'm 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 I'm, I'm kind of like you in um, when it comes to singing um, I will sing a part and, and I'm, I'm often doing this here in the studio I'm trying to figure out how to sing a song, how, a, how, you know, how, a what particular inflections a lead singer has got. And I'm trying to match them in, in a, in a harmony or something. And I will just go over it and over it and over it and over it and over it again yeah. until I have it, until I have it matched. And at that point, that's the point where I start, where I start, okay, I'm going to get, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sing this, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm going to go up there instead of down and, you know, okay, well, I like that, but I want to change this part now. And, and, and that's where you, that's where you start counting the takes really after yeah. you've done all this practice and learning. And then from there, we might go back and, and comp something together, you know, like we w- would liked how, you know, how this line worked and how that line there worked and, you know, and, and we'll put those together and that'll be the harmony. Right. But it, it's so much it's so much work to get to that point just to figure out what to do in the first place yeah and it it's it, it it's so fr- <laughs> to top it all off this is me venting my frustration she didn't sing a single thing the same way twice ah. right she was one of those one of those singers that the very first take she did she started out she started out kind mm. of basic and just stuck to the melody in the first first half of the song and then kind of got more adventurous as it went right which would have been a perfect performance had she been practiced and sang well right but she neither practiced nor sang well and so we had to do it a bunch more times but because she'd already gotten to the point where she was adventurous she would start off the song on the next take super adventurous and be all over the place, and I'd have to you rein her back. You can't start a song like that. Well, can but you have to bring it back usually? And then, and then by the time by the time we get to takes where she's actually doing more or less the things that I want her to do, all of her really good adventuresomeness is gone. Is gone. Uh, she's just kind of worked that out. And so I go back to some of those old takes and her, some of those earlier takes and, and they just don't match where she is in the later takes. And so they're not usable. And it's just all sorts of, all sorts of chaos. Now in the grand scheme of things, the songs are going to turn out fine. Um, and she'll be able to take them to, to Christian radio or faith-based. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be accepted with welcome arms because they're, they're really nice songs. The songs really are nice, but 
every time, every time I, and I have, I have to start doing this. It's going to lose. It's going to cost me clients. I know it. And that terrifies me, but I have to start. I have to start insisting that if someone wants to make it to radio, we can't cut corners. If we're trying to cut corners to meet a budget, can't expect radio. And, and I mean, like some people have natural talent that can cut corners and it can shine through brilliantly. Yeah. Right? But if, if you require any sort of help talent wise, work yeah. ethic wise or whatever, you just, we just can't cut corners. Damn. That's frustrating. Yeah. Not the, <clears throat> not the, the, the cutting corners thing isn't frustrating. It's the, the fact that managing expectations Whenever, yeah, I, I don't know how you react to this, but whenever I work with a client and I know that I'm not going to meet their expectations, that really bothers me. Like, uh. that, uh, not to the point where I'm losing sleep because I'll sleep in a dance club, but actually the dance club will probably put me to sleep. Uh, but it, it, just, just the fact that, that I'm... I'm not going to meet their expectations because of them. And there's nothing more I can do at that point. That just, that bothers me so much. Like health wise, uh, I'm sure it's an issue. Maybe I won't I feel know. it for another I, 20 I, years. I but... think that I've managed to get in a niche pocket where a lot of my clients all have experience recording. So they, they kind of understand what I'm going through a little bit. And right. I, I'm, generally I'm more experienced and, you know, they will make things that somewhat annoy me possibly <laughs> of how they do things. Like they might name things weird that, you know, takes me a little bit to figure out what it is that that track actually is. But for the most part, they're, they're pretty good at managing expectations. They know what mixing can do. They know what mastering can do. It's only the occasional artists where it's like, this is their first record. They're recording it themselves. They get as far as they can get. And then they want me to work miracles afterwards. Right. It's the only time where it gets hard. Cause then you try to explain to them like, and a lot of it for me is just because I'm super upfront about like, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I did the best I can. <laughs> it's not even at my level of expectations, yeah. but right. you gave me something. This is the best I can do with that something. Do you sign off on this or do you want me to walk you through how to get a better performance out of this? Right. Well, and, and, and then come back to me. I think that might be easier um, at the, at the mixing stage or at that stage where you're, yeah. you're not directly involved in the, in the performance. Yeah. Recording. And cause I don't do a lot of recording. It's mostly, yeah, I don't yeah, mostly mixing directly have to, but I, knowing me, I'll probably say something along the lines and probably piss people off in the process. Cause that's what I do. <laughs> Like if somebody played a subpar guitar part, I would probably be just like, okay, I understand you're trying to get this, but you're not that good of a player. So do you want to hire somebody or are you going to bust your ass for the next couple of weeks, come back and re-record this part? 
what one do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. And how many times, how many times do you think you'd be able to get away with that and say, like, come back in two weeks when you're better, have this part down. Well, I think because I'd be framing it in options and it would be like, so we can spend $200, bring in another guitarist that I know will pump this out really quick. And well. Or we can spend less, potentially less money. Like if I have to rearrange recording time, that's not probably going to be the worst thing in the world. Right. Like we can move some time to record that guitar part. If there's other things we can record in that time span that you need to practice, yeah. let's do that. You being the guitar player, you know, practice mm-hmm. is i i could probably get away with it because i'd be going on the point of like pay more money or do this thing and we're going to get an awesome take out of you yeah and i i think that would only the only time i present that option probably would be when it's like clear as day to everybody that you know this this part's this not working work. right Hell, I might, I might even offer to be like, especially if it's a bass player, because they're notorious for this. And I sometimes don't even ask. I'll just re-record myself playing bass. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will probably be like, hey, I'll even play the bass part. Pay me this much more because I'm doing extra work. Or maybe actually learn your parts in the you know, that's yeah. the most common thing with bass players I find is they don't know their parts. Yeah, yeah. Which in metal is kind of funny because they only ever play like three or four notes. Bass players? Occasionally. Yeah. I'm thinking of like the boring metal where all the bass player does is play the root note. Thrash metal. <laughs> no, you know what? There's some pretty complex thrash metal out there too. Yeah, thrash metal bass is a little bit more complex. I'm thinking of like some of the more boring structured metal that has like verse chorus. Verse chorus guitar solo. Yeah. A lot of that will have a bass part that's just like do 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 and they'll they'll tempo sway. I remember And I don't like editing that. I remember being in two different bands where Two different bands, two different scenarios. One band, the bass player is so busy, and I'm playing guitar. Uh, so between the bass and the drums being terribly busy. There's no room for anyone else to be busy. There's no room for anyone else. So the guitar parts become like... Yeah. It's like, right? <laughs> and and I've I've been in I've been in I've played bass in a couple bands that where the the guitar players and the drummers are are, are equally as busy, and so I you know keep the bass really simple. But I was in a I, I was in a band in 2013 ish, where no one was quite good enough to be busy. 
and I'm trying to play bass in the band. And the only thing I can do is play super, super straight, basic bass parts or people would get screwed up. Oh, so you were the, the foundation. I, I, I was the only one that could keep time okay. to begin with. Great. And everything, everything the guitar player tried to do was so random because he had no concept of music. He could understand tablature. What is a scale? <laughs> yeah, you know, no idea. Couldn't couldn't explain it to you. I would ask him what note he would he he was playing. I'm playing this string on and the seventh fret. And, and he, fret. he he would show me. Uh, and then it's like, like your job to be like, okay, you're in this tuning. That is this string. That is that fret. So that is uh, and we were, and G. We, sharp. we were always in different tunings too, so it wasn't as easy yeah. as just like, okay, I look at my bass, like, uh, okay, yeah, no, yeah. no, I've I've been in that situation. I play six string bass, and a lot of people will point to the wrong string on yeah. my bass. Yeah, I'm playing that one. Like, no, no, you're not. You're not. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It makes me miss bands that actually give a shit, where everybody in the band gives a shit. I played in a, played in a, a three-piece prog band, kind of like a modern version of Rush. I tried to do like crossover pop rock with like ridiculous complex, but sounding like it's simple mm-hmm. complexities, right? And it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I was the shittiest player in the band, and that made me work like ten times as hard. Something I think I would like to be in is like a, a prog rock, prog metal band, but I know I would probably be the least talented person in the band. And it's a, it's a good feeling when when you're that guy and you're working and, and, and you put in the effort to not let them down. Well, yeah. Like that's an amazing feeling. I don't understand why more people don't look at it like that. Yeah, if I was to ever join such a band, I'd probably be pretty upfront with the bandmates to, or my bandmates too, and be like, "You guys are more talented than I am. You guys could probably improv. I can't. <laughs> so if we have parts, they have to be somewhat structured to the point where I can plan my complex bass parts. Because mm-hmm. if I'm gonna play in a prog band, it's gonna be bass. I know it." Because yeah. I have no interest to play guitar in a prog band. No. Even if I if I played guitar, I wouldn't play any of the like things that prog players are notorious for with like the notes. Yeah. I would be my idea of complexity when it comes to guitar is rhythmic stuff. So I'm more of a bass player. Fair enough. You can argue. Fair but enough. as a bass player, I will occasionally do like a little melody thing as a right. guitar player. It's like those little fills. That's all I'll really do. I won't do like super complex guitar solos. Yeah. And most prog bands, it's like, if you have two guitar players, they will usually bounce off each other and have their little harmonies or right. whatever. And they, you have to be a much better guitarist than I actually am. <laughs> Whereas I can, you know, fake being a decent bass player in a prog band I think but I, I, yeah I'd be up front and be like I'm sure hey, bass guys, players would I need to structure these I need to plan my parts ahead because that's the kind of player I am I need to 
essentially write my parts and then that's all I play. <laughs> my band in college, band called Raven Skies. Yep. Um, and we named it after the the drummer's drum kit on the high school stage. Like our, we kind of got together right at the end of high school and then went on into college. And, and his drum kit was this big black thing that just kind of the way he set it up, symbols going out each side kind of look like a, like a big black bird um, about to take flight. It was pretty cool. So that gave us our name and he was super technical. He's playing in, I think he's, he's playing in some band in Edmonton now. Um, gone on to do some great things, but, uh, he, he and I used to argue, um, over things like what's more important, feeling the song or playing a really good performance. And I would argue that they're both important and, and that, and that me was his, as a player, I need certain things. That was his argument. I, I was in hindsight, I was always clearly wrong. Uh, and, and we, we even end up, we even ended up replacing our bass player eventually with a guy that, that was the polar extreme opposite of him. He didn't care about a good performance. He just cared about how he felt. Okay. And that was the end of the band. But, um, but he argued that he felt best, like he felt the song best when he performed it well. And so he loved to have his, loved to have all his stuff well rehearsed and well composed and, and he was always pretty creative with stuff. And, um, but we used to get into arguments and it eventually led to the, to the breakup of the band because he would want to work so hard on, on that kind of stuff. And I was always, I was, this is one of those bands where the bass player was always doing so much. It was not very good, but he was always doing so much and the drummer was always doing so much. So I would just play guitar and I'd play really simple things. And I'm like, why do I need to practice any more than we already do? Cause I'm already playing such simple, basic stuff. Yeah. But that, that led to the, to the breakup of the band. Cause the drummer just had enough. Like I, if you guys aren't going to take this shit seriously, I need to go somewhere else. And he eventually went on tour with a, with a folk, with a folk guy where they had a fantastic rhythm section. It was just so much fun to, to listen to them. Uh, I think he's, I think he's playing with Hundred Mile House in town. Okay, I've heard of him. I haven't seen him, but yeah. I've heard of him. Then again, I don't know. Uh, who knows? <sighs> yeah, I don't know where I'm going with any of that now. <laughs> Next subject. Oh, your turn to say that, eh? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm just trying to mimic you, but it doesn't sound as good coming out of my mouth. <laughs> It really doesn't. That's all good. The uh, the thing's going to wrap up. You have anything interesting coming up this week? Over the next week? Mm, not really. Currently, I'm just trying to distract myself from several things that make me want to spend money. Oh, yes. Like my long McQuaid account's like at $450 right now. I almost, I bought, would, I almost know. bought a modern oh. Fairchild clone. <laughs> Dude, I was so close. I had the credit card in hand, and it was it was like fifty percent off, and yeah. I could have almost afforded it. Had yeah. to let it go. I'm trying to distract myself from spending more money. Yeah, despite the fact I'm going to fail at it, and I know it. That's what we do. Follow our hosts on Twitter 
at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realized at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.